0: In anticipation of Super Bowl 58 and the NFL playoffs, BetMGM has a brand new offer for the listeners of the Just Baseball Show. Place your first BetMGM Sportsbook wager through BetMGM Sportsbook app of at least $5. You will receive $158 instantly in additional winnings regardless of your wager's outcome. So how do you get this offer? Well, first, you're going to download the BetMGM Sports app on iOS or Android, or visit BetMGM.com. Sign up and deposit at least $5 into your newly created account. Place a wager in the amount of at least $5 at standard odds price. Once you have placed a bet, you will receive $158 in bonus bets, regardless of the outcome of your wager. Disclaimer: BetMGM.com for terms and conditions must be 21 plus to wager. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., New York, or Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in Colorado, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Kansas, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, New Jersey, Nevada, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF-IN-IOWA, 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan, in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code JUSTBASEBALL and get $158 when you bet at least $5 on your first wager. Do it on BetMGM. Bonds, hit come right high, it's a dig,
1: It's a new week on the Just Baseball Show, and we are in a post-GM episode world now. That, you know, it was like the last month. And we got yeah. done playing gm for everybody which is good though and we had a conversation about it via text arm laden by the way i'm jack this is a just baseball show uh monday january 22nd as always brought to you by bet mgm we're going to talk zips projections today for the national league but before we get into that some really nice notes on social media whether it be from youtube or on instagram or on twitter
2: people really like the layered aspect of the gm episodes i think yeah, which is cool. And I, again, I really always appreciate the feedback. And you know, like if, if there's something that you you want to see more of or a little bit maybe less of, if you say it really nice, unless um, it's we, a we person. It. Like if you yeah. say, "Hey, I want to see less Peter," like you can't do that. No, no, you can't do that. Can't unless do you say you want to see less Arum, then that's fine. I'll, I'll disappear. <laughs> that's I, no, but like you no, know, if there's certain things that you know you you want us to to cover or th- things that you like, you know, we're we're always spitballing. You know, it's a off season's three days a week, but you know, mostly it's a five day a week show. Like we're we're always looking for the stuff that is most interesting and plays the best. So the YouTube comments are always helpful, but Twitter, we saw some some responses there. And, you know, the GM thing was an idea we had, you know, two off seasons ago, and it's been really cool to see it kind of take off. And I think we're really fortunate that we have the layers of like, you know, Peter being able to talk about, you know, the betting side and what kind of the public thinks and, and what the expectation is. And then, you know, you're able to kind of combine the contracts and, and the, the context of of every team's financial situation. Then I can also talk about the implications of the farm system. And it's it's been, we didn't know it was going to go that way, but it's cool that it's layered that way. And mm-hmm. um, I really appreciate the feedback because we didn't know if people would like it or not. And, you know, it seems like, like you mentioned, people enjoy it. So it's something we'll continue to do. I know that all our trades won't be favorites with every team, but like, we're doing 30 right. teams here. We can't, we can't strike uh, perfect deals for everybody, but, um, I, I think it does help at least kind of provide context of the state of a franchise. Um, but like both from top to bottom, right. Where, where you're at financially, where you're at as, as a big league team, and then, you know, where your farm systems at and how you should approach based on that as well. Um, so that's always fun and we're always looking for ideas too. So appreciate the feedback and, and the conversation and it's always fun.
1: Yeah, we'll do that series every offseason moving forward unless we hear enough people say, oh, my God, that sucked. Never do yeah, that again, please. Um, that was originally a lockout idea. It was dead middle of the lockout. What do we want to do? We want to put Brad Boxberger on every single freaking team on the face want of the to earth. Do it. Yeah, so it, that that is really cool, and I, I love how it is developed. Something we did last year that I'm excited to do again is take a look at the Zips projections. And and this is such a unique beast. And that's what we're going to do today. I'll give you the whole rundown of like what Zips projections are before we get into it. We're going to do the National League today. We're going to do the American League on Wednesday. Peter will be back for that one. Before that, though, I saw something in regards to Spencer Dinwiddie with the Brooklyn Nets, and I was trying to figure out a baseball comp to it. Dinwiddie has just disappeared. For Brooklyn, mm. like he's not taking shots. It was like two points and three points. And I saw Zach Lowe wrote an article on ESPN plus great writer, Zach Lowe. And he said, he's playing like he's on strike. And that led a lot of people to kind of run with the idea that he's almost not putting effort in, in an attempt to get traded. And I know that like, that was the hardened thing. And now you got somebody like Spencer Dinwiddie doing it. So I, I tried to think of a comp for that. And my baseball comp that I got to is like Marcus Stroman on the Cubs last year. If but he, he was like,
2: get, he wanted to stay. I felt like, did he want to stay? Um, he did. so like he I, did, he did want to stay and he, he pitches butt off. I think he got hurt. I, my best comp, but he knows he's not getting traded would be Anthony Rendon. Rendon. Like, he's yeah. doing everything
1: possible. Did you see but, by the way, the clip that he had, he was a, he was a guest on like a talk radio show or something. And, and he was asked, um, what's the one thing you would change about the big league season? And he's like, it's too damn long. Like, oh my God. You hate
2: it. Here. That, that's lean. like, at that point, like you already know that the narrative around you, like that's the <laughs> one answer you shouldn't give. Right. Uh, even if you think it, I want to um, play less. <laughs> I want to play. You already don't play. <laughs>
1: okay. Here's one for you. Obviously Milwaukee has pissed off Corbin Burns. So Burns likely to walk this year, even if he you know, gets traded or not, he's not going back to Milwaukee. It seems he's going to go get his bag elsewhere the way that I kind of viewed it was like, if Corbin Burns one day was like, you know what? I'm pissed. I'm just going to go out and get bombed. <laughs> that just doesn't happen in our game.
2: It's, it's a basketball issue for sure. I mean, there's a reason why the NBA has to have a rule where it's like, you know, you can't rest two two stars <laughs> or whatever, like, you know, per game. It's, like, it's, it's a crazy bizarre thing that they have going on there. And um, you know, with baseball though, I, I do think that there is the, the parallel would be, yeah you there know, there is a level of buy-in that that you sometimes don't get from certain players based on, you know, the competitiveness of the team or lack thereof based on where the players at in their situation uh, in general. And like I, I don't think that there's like a like for a lot of these players, I don't know if it's a lack of buy-in totally, but you're not getting that that extra buy-in. yeah And with burns, now, I wonder if he was kind of frustrated through the first parts of the season because he wasn't you know, as, as sharp at points and then really started to settle in and, and had a nice year overall. But I think you're going to see a different Corbin Burns in 24 because he's going to go get his bag. But in 23, he's kind of, it's before the contract year. Right. They had the arbitration thing, piss him off. Um, he still played well and, you know, was a professional of all professionals. But I do think he's going to be better this year, not from the classical contract year thing, but I think it's that on steroids because he was aggravated last year. They didn't really add any anything of, of of major 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 substance, and and then you know he's still two years away from from getting paid. So yeah. now I think he's going to just walk in say, "This is my chance to get paid after this." You know, I'm out of here after this year, and I bet you he's right back to the Cy Young contention this year. So that that would be an example of of it with baseball. But for baseball, I don't think you ever got have guys check out. You can't do baseball halfway. No. So you really just have the guys that are either dumb locked in, like crazy crazy locked in, or not as much as they usually are. And I think that's what you get. I think more baseball. And and building
1: on to that, baseball is one where, yes, like you can't do it halfway. Especially pitching, like you cannot half-ass on the mound. Like you are out there giving full effort because that is what you've trained to do. Um, but the other aspect is, okay, even if you know you're not totally invested in the team situation around you, and all the best pitchers, all the best hitters are invested in the team situation around them you can still play for yourself. Like baseball yeah. is a, is an individual sport played as a team or a team sport played by individuals. And I, I just think anybody that like hits that level of frustration where they're thinking about no effort, just shift your focus to, well, yeah. I'm just going to go get paid. Go
2: get your numbers. Go get, right. your numbers. Go get my numbers. It's, it's interesting. You see players pop certain seasons and things like that. And I do think some of that has to do with that. And, and I also think the last thing I'll say on it is preparation too, right? You know, the more bought in you are, you know, the more you're going to be Diving into the scouting reports before you play, guys. You more you're gonna be focused on executing those scouting reports and, and and things like that. And um, again, I I think for that reason, I think Burns is gonna be back to like Cy Young Burns this year.
1: For sure. And and we're not trying to throw Corbin Burns under the bus here at all because no. we have no idea if he is no. if he was lacking buy-in at all in 2023. We're just trying to figure out like what scenario could be a comp to this, but we are throwing That's Spencer fair. Dinwiddie under the butt. Yeah, like yeah. it's it's just not possible in baseball. We're going to get into the zip stuff, and I, I'm excited to do this. We have some like team related articles that will be live on Just Baseball early this week. There was a really nice one at the end of last week from Renee Deckard on mm-hmm. on the Rockies zips projections, um, and, and I'll actually read verbatim the MLB.com glossary definition of zips projections. Zips is a system of player projections developed by Fangraph's Dan Zimborski when he was at Baseball Think Factory. According to a Q&A on the Baseball Think Factory website, Zips uses growth and decline curves based on player type to find trends. It then factors those trends into the past performance of those players to come up with projections. The system uses stats from the previous four years for players from ages 24 to 38 it weighs more recent seasons heavier. So for younger or older players, younger than 24, older than 38, it uses weighted statistics from only the previous three years. System also factors velocity, injury data, and play-by-play data into its equations. Like other projection systems, Zips uses past performance and aging trends to develop a future projection for players. On fan graphs, the projections are updated daily and project each player's numbers over the course of the remainder of the season obviously they are predictions they are projections so they're not going to be perfect but they do do a good job of tying a bow on what happened in 23 factoring in the last couple years and it is the best forecaster that i think we have but the beauty of baseball is forecasters aren't right and there are always some weird wrinkles in the forecast that we want to point out. So I went through every NL zips projection and I found some shit that I'm going to point out. And I know you're going to point some stuff out along the way.
2: Yeah. So I think it's fun because look, it, it gives you something to talk about, you know, in terms of, of what some of the expectations of it might be. We talk about sports books and you know like what the MGM odds are and, and and why we might think that's unique or or surprising or whatever it may be. But you know, there there's a lot as you just kind of detailed, there's a lot that goes into these different outcomes but it also shows you the volatility of certain players because there's certain players who have and i always talk about this with prospects and it's tough to rank certain prospects because there's guys that you know may have a higher 50th percentile outcome a median outcome but you know they, they might you know i think that makes them safer and maybe a better prospect than somebody else but the 80th percentile outcome could be a lot higher for a lesser prospect, meaning the ceiling's higher, but the floor is lower. So I, I think you can see the big league example of this with the percentile outcomes that they have with guys. And then sometimes just it's, it's out there and you're like, Whoa, why are they so high or so low on this guy? But then it's a fun conversation to try to understand the perspective there. Also, while you were reading that, I thought of a better example, even though he was struggling, he, I do think that it's, part of the way everything went down, he kind of was almost protesting to a degree of, of, of his situation. Alec Manoa.
0: Oh, Alec Manoa examples. would be the
2: perfect Dinwiddie comp. I mean, if if, if Manoa was was bought in and, and focused on getting back to where he wanted to be, I doubt that, you know, things go totally the way that they went. So I would say right. Manoa would probably be the best example of that and the way that things went last year.
1: Yeah, I, I could definitely see that because it, it almost felt like Things spiraled on him on the field. Things spiraled on him because he was so frustrated in what was happening. Um, maybe same thing with Tim Anderson, if we're being totally honest, right? Like, yeah, Tim he's Anderson, way better than what he did. Come on. Right, a exactly. So I'm just thinking about guys that like are clearly more talented than the product that they put out. And anybody watching baseball can see that. Yeah. And that's what Dinwiddie was doing with the Nets. I think that might be what happened with Tim Anderson. And I know he was hurt. I know he was dealing with a bunch of off the field And also stuff. that team
2: was just, just it was
1: bad. It was, t- and it was a fractured clubhouse and all that, like, Manoa, Manoa, another good example. Um, All right. I I want to jump in with with kind of a bang here. And I'm just going to point out like the odd wrinkles in this. And if you want to check it out, um, I'll link the Braves projections that blog from Dan Zaborski on fan graphs in the episode description. And you can click around team by team from there and check this out. So you can almost like follow along with us. Before we get into it, this is never, ever, ever an indictment on Dan. What Dan did with the Zips projections is a godsend for baseball fans. They love it. This is not his opinion. He did not formulate Ronald Acuna Jr.'s 20th percentile war outcome based on opinion. He created an algorithm. This is what the algorithm spit out. The other thing, I mentioned players along similar lines in terms of age. Position is best, too. In each article, each player, it is linked, the three most similar players from what you pull from. And like a good example is is Juan Soto, his near-age offensive comps, how they're branded. Rusty Staub, who was a six-time All-Star. Mel Ott, Carl Yastrzemski. It tells you that that guy's like on a Hall of Fame track. But Manny Machado, for example, Mike Lowell and Aramis Ramirez. Makes a ton of sense. Those guys around 30 were some of the best in the league. They were not the best in the league. Machado is probably four or five. Lowell and Aramis were probably four or five in the respective years.
2: Yeah, it's fun. I love the, the, the player production comps because it's just so many names I haven't seen in so long or right. haven't ever even heard that are so funny. Um, so that part's really, really cool to kind of fly through too.
1: Do you have Ken Pom?
2: Um, I did in the past. I did.
1: I can give you my login if you want. Um, but Ken Palm, it's great because you go to each player's like player page and it says similar seasons. Like if you go to Zach Eady, it's it's similar seasons and it's probably like Anthony Davis and you know, whoever. Like, like
2: O'Neill at LSU, like <laughs> exactly
1: like that kind of thing. You get the comp underneath, which is what we see here. So, again. Thank you so much to Dan Siborski for doing this in the early 2000s. And this is a really fun exercise for us. But I want to jump in with Atlanta. Um, I've got a hitting note and a pitching note. First one is from the unanimous MVP last year, Ronald Acuna Jr. It has to do with his projected war. He's projected 7.3 F war this year by Zips. But you go to his 80th percentile outcome this year, and that's a 9.3 war. His 20th percentile outcome, which is, you know, like, hey, this was an objectively down year for Ronald Acuna Jr. is 5.4 war. <laughs> can we that expect that?
2: Great. That is crazy. So I think the 80th percentile makes a ton of sense. Like uh, he's capable of a 10-win season. You know, if Mookie Betts can have a 10-win season in different ways, but, you know, Ronald Acuna Jr. can have a 10 one season. He could have probably close to an 11, but. The, the, and it depends on, you know, again, the defensive side of things. So I think that's where he gets docked a little bit. But the 20th percentile being 5.4 is mind number. And maybe that's yeah. fair. Like may, maybe it's that that high of a likelihood that he's at least at seven. But that's just crazy to me. It's just an example of uh, how much of an outlier he is in so many of the different categories that, you know, Zips kind of sorts through and, and and how absurd he is.
1: So my thing is, if he was platinum glove level defensively, I would understand that 5.4 number. But he clearly has flaws defensively. And hey, that might be buy-in because he's so clearly talented. But like that was the one knock on him this past year. It's, oh, I wish this guy was a better defender. I just wonder, in a game as volatile as baseball, if he sucks for six weeks offensively, and he's probably too good to suck. But if he does, like, how are we projecting a a five-and-a-half win season for a guy who goes through a slump?
2: Yeah, that's the crazy thing too, is because like, you know, you, you got a slash line last year of 337, 416, 596, right? And like 41 bombs, 73 bags. That's an eight point three war season. If the defense is the same, how much better can he possibly be offensively? Um, and if the if the defense is not better, I feel like a 20th percentile outcome would be worse than that, but who knows? Right. I like it's one of those things where it's really fun to, to to just like see where they're at. But it also is a reminder of just how absurd his season was last year. And if he played semi-decent defense, he could probably flirt with like a 12 war if he yeah. really put the, the the numbers that he put together, you know, offensively. So it's, it's going to be fun. I really hope that he defends better because I want to see what that all looks like from, from a cumulative war standpoint. But I do think the reason why the systems love him so much is we're talking about a guy who cut his K rate by more than – by by more than in half, right? Like he had a 24% K rate in 2022, cuts it to 11.4. I mean, so you wonder how that just continues to manifest itself as he as he blossoms. And he's going into his age 26 season. So he might not be even hitting his peak yet, which means he could end up being, you know, one of the best players to ever do this thing. So I think anything is within reason with with, with Ronald Acuna Jr. and projections.
1: So since 1927, there has been one 12 win season. Do you know who that twelve win season is? Like Babe Ruth had a fourteen win season, a thirteen win season, and a. Can you give me like
2: season. a the the year like the decade?
1: Yeah, if I give you the year, I think it's going to give it away. Um, Rogers Hornsby, by the way, had a twelve win season in nineteen twenty four. Were you going to get that? This one happened in the sixties. Sixties. Was it? Ooh, was it May's? No, mid to late sixties American League. Mid to late sixties American League. He was the last guy to do something for a very long time. Oh, was it Yaz? It was Yaz. Wow. Yaz's triple crown season in 67 was a 12.4 win season. And we're talking about Acuna having the 12 win season ability. Otani before he got hurt was tracking for a 12 win season. (laughs)
2: Yeah. He's got a little bit of an edge there. Uh Yeah. Yeah. That's cool.
1: I found that interesting. All right. Um, by the way, Acuna projected 43 homers, 116 driven in, and 51 backs. Holy shit. That's a projection. That's a projection. That's not a dream. That's like a projection. Wow. Shout out baseball. All right. If Spencer Strider is projected to have a 3.28 ERA, what is Max Fried's projected ERA? it to be lower. 3.27. One 100th lower than Strider. I will say Strider is projected 30 more innings and over 100 more punch-outs. I think we're past the point in thinking that Freed is better than Strider. Strider is a better pitcher than Max Freed. Yeah,
2: at this point, at this stage, 100%. And like, yeah, the ERA aspect's interesting. I think Strider's going to figure that out. A 3 8 ERA for Strider this year with, with how many whiffs he's going to get, you know, and everything, like... Cy Young. He's, yeah, it's, he's a Cy Young contender. Once the ERA got over three five, you just couldn't justify it anymore. Yeah. But when you have all the underlying data the way it is, if he gets to the low threes, it's I think it's Cy Young season.
1: Which is crazy. I think we're in a new frontier because if you know, even five years ago, if a guy was over three, they're probably not winning the Cy Young. Right. Like you have to be sub three. But now it's sub
2: three. Yeah. Yeah. No way.
1: Right. But now you got to be sub three five if you're racking up the punch outs and yada yada yada. All right, uh, your Marlins,
2: there are four. I actually had one one outlier real quick, though, that I think, or not outlier, but one that I do like strongly disagree with is, is Bryce Elder. I don't think yeah. Bryce Elder's giving you 160 innings of, what did they have him at? Uh like I was a low looking for I think well, it was a low fours. I, yeah, it was four twos. I guess that's that's honestly fair. I don't even know if he's going to give you 160 innings of that, though.
1: So I'm thinking it's so situational. And the thing is, like, they project in a vacuum for all of these guys. They they don't go situationally. So Elder is projected 160 innings. A.J. smith shaver is projected 100 innings. Now, there's not 267 innings to really be had between those two, I don't think, if everybody else stays healthy and they project that everybody else stays healthy. like yeah. They count more than 162 starts, I want to say. Um, so like AJ Smith shaver's projected hundred innings of a four and a half ERA, Elder 160 innings of a of a low fours ERA. I will say, just like getting this out there right now, I'd
2: rather watch AJ Smith shaver pitch. That. I was gonna say, I think that's that's a low end estimate for Smith shaver I think he's he's gotten unfairly docked, as we've talked about, you know, based on how how much he was rushed. But yeah, we're gonna get to the Marlins now. I'm we can't wait.
1: Four two win seasons projected. There are four guys above 2.0 F4. Who are they? Okay, I'm not looking. So,
2: uh, Jazz, yeah, Arias, yeah, the just position players,
1: just position players,
2: Jazz, Arias, Burger. yeah, and you said four,
1: yeah, I, it's like it's like a BuzzFeed headline. The last one will shock you.
2: It's not Jesus Sanchez. They probably hate it. They probably got him at like one seven. Yeah, it's Um, not Jesus. Uh, John Birdie. Nope. That's disrespectful. He will guaranteed have a two win season. (laughs) Um, Xavier Edwards. Xavier Edwards. I had a feeling I was gonna love his numbers. Uh, Uh,
1: Arise is is the projected best in terms of WAR output among position players at a two and a half win season. A projected three sixteen batting average. I'll take the
2: over. Yeah, holy crap! I'll take the over. I'll take the uh, over. That so I won't pull it up if you want to ask me another trivia on the on the pitching side. But I will oh. say John Birdie needs some more respect on his name. I like I, how much more does this guy need to prove that he's a he's just a consistent you know couple win player like a, every single year. I I I feel like he's a lock for two. He's two point two WAR in in twenty twenty two, two point one WAR in, in twenty twenty three, and again I just think he's just continuing to to get better, which is weird. It's like thirty four. But I'm I'm a big birdie guy.
1: I love it. Um, all right, I'm pulling up the uh, I'm pulling up the pitching now. Okay, who's got a better projected
2: ERA, Lazardo or Yuri Perez? Oof, that's a great question. I'm going to say Yuri. Oh, sorry, no, no, I'm sorry. I'm going to say Lazardo.
1: So Yuri is twenty five points better. Yuri's a projected three six three in one hundred and twenty four innings. Lizardo is a projected three eight eight in one hundred and fifty three. I just want to say, I think one hundred and twenty four innings at a three six is pretty perfect for Yuri Perez. I think the ERA can be lower. I think he can be at like a three two or three three. Honestly, because I think he's super talented, but one hundred and twenty four innings is a super fair estimate.
2: Yeah, you know, he's not a finished product yet. I think there is going to be some some blips, and I uh, yeah, I do think that's pretty reasonable. Uh, all right, rejected war for Lizardo. Well, knowing that those are the numbers, the oh, pitcher no, war is weird. I'm going to say 3.2. 2.6. Okay, that's disrespectful. He's going to be better than that. It's just kind of a weird one.
1: All right. Uh, projected ERA. They've got Anthony Maldonado at 378. I love Maldonado. He's How better. about AJ Puck? What do you think they have, Matt?
2: They better have him at like a 4 2.
1: Yeah, 3 7.
2: <laughs> that's fair. He, he ends up backing into that.
1: Yeah, I think so. All right. Uh, jumping over to the Mets, I just want to give you some context. Pete Alonso, per 162 games, pluck this from Baseball Reference. I love the per 162 thing for for some of the best in in baseball. And um, one of my one of my favorite guys to look at in that regard is Manny Ramirez. Manny Ramirez was so much better than I think you may remember him as. Like that guy's numbers per 162 were insane. Pete Alonso per 162 in his career. Another guy way better than you may think he is. 251 with 45 homers and 118 driven in for 162. In his walk year, Zips projects a 252 clip with 40 homers and 115 driven in. If that's not a two million dollar first baseman, he's going to be 29 years old. If this cat gives you 40 and 115 and has an 880 OPS, I'm giving him... No, doesn't punch out like a 15% carry. I'm giving Pete Alonzo $200 million and I'm not losing sleep.
2: I don't, I don't know why the Mets haven't done it already. It's that's one of the weirder things, especially considering, you know, where, where Cohen's at and uh, as a fan and, and, and also I know he wants to win, but like that's a big part of, of this Mets franchise and Pete Alonzo is going to age well. I, I think that was a, an interesting, it's an interesting situation. I'm very surprised, but uh, it seems like zips likes, uh, Likes Jeff McNeil a little bit more this year, I think, Uh, to to bounce back a little bit. It seems
1: like they do. Do you like Jeff McNeil to bounce back?
2: I I do. I think he's just got this like every other year thing going on now. It's that's interesting, but he seems to find it and 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 be fine. I I think they're they're underselling uh, Francisco Alvarez a little bit with his 80th percentile. I think the the 80th they've got him at 3.7 f4 in his 80th percentile outcome. With the kind of power that he has and what we've already seen from him, and the fact that the glove is already good too. Good. Um, I think his 80th percentile outcomes five plus wins. To be honest, it's William Contreras his, this year. I think his 60th percentile outcome is like three seven. Uh, personally, I I, I I think I think his 80th percentile is closer to like four and, a half, four and change. I would say then four and a half, you know, something around there.
1: I love that you're high on Alvarez because I'm really high on Alvarez, I kind of, and I I think Alvarez and Gabby
2: Moreno are are linked up at this mm-hmm. point now and, and so it's such a different profile as though which makes it fun but very yeah. similar in terms of their value and 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 talent and abilities in terms of like you know what yeah. they, in terms of what value you get when you look back at war and, and and production and all those good things
1: and they start their ascension at the same time like with with everything we wanted in regards to the luck rg3 thing like we can get that at the catching position in, in alvarez and gabby moreno uh Zips loves Mike Vassell, which is interesting for the Mets. And and that's a unique niche name. Mike Vassell, 110 projected innings at a Mm 4-4. That would be a nice depth arm to have kind of blossom for the Mets.
2: Well, and I think with this team, where they're at, you know, I do think it's – we've talked about it, like play the kids. when We are talking about the New Year's resolutions and stuff like that. Like, I want to see these guys throw. They've also got – you know some some other youngsters and like Christian Scott, really good fastball, like big whiff there. Like I want to see what he can do up there. Uh, I, I want to see what some of these dudes can do. But Wade Tidwell, even at some point, I'd like to see him get a get a crack. But yeah, it was cool to see how much they like Vassal. and I do think that the arsenal will kind of translate. He's got a, a good mix of pitches. He's been effective at the upper minors. I think that's a really really good number there for him, and and I think he could he could do that.
1: What do you think Edwin Diaz's projected K rate is?
2: i would say like percentage wise 32 40 Shut
1: 30
2: 39.7 oh my gosh they have I like didn't, 89 I didn't know they out. ran it up that high for like projections dude oh. i mean Acuna, <laughs> Acuna is like yeah, a projection fair enough Holy carl cow. yastrzemski um, i mean i don't think it's crazy i mean i think his arm's gonna be fresh I yeah. think he's going to feel good. Hopefully that is the landing knee. So hopefully he feels good. But if his arm is fresh, holy crap,
1: Ridiculous. <laughs> it's going to be,
2: it's going to be scary.
1: So good. One more in the national league East, Nick Castellanos projects at a lower war. And we know that Schwaber and Castellanos are not war accumulators, but I thought this was hilarious. Nick Castellanos projects at a lower war than Jake cave, Weston, Wilson, drew Ellis, Cody Clemens, Esteban Quiros. Cal Stevenson, Otto Kemp, and Rafael 0.5 F4. Who's Otto Kemp? I don't know.
2: <laughs> We're on zips. I'm gonna Nick look Podkle. up. This. Nick Podcole. Nick is actually having a nice year. Otto Unfortunately, Kemp. he's yeah. put up numbers in trips. He's he's ahead of Paciano's of too. He he got hit in the head with a pitch, I believe, in the or got hit somewhere and, it, and it, it cut the season short. He put up numbers last year, though. So look out for Nick Podcole.
1: No way. Otto Kemp's a real guy. He went to Point Loma Nazarene, which I think is D3. And he played 78 games in low A, 31 games in high A, and had a 736 OPS.
2: And that's projected.
1: And zip spit out a higher projected WAR for him than twenty million dollar
2: Nick Castellanos. That is crazy. It, it is nuts having Schwarber and Castellanos on the, on the same ball club. Uh, but you know, again, we, we know Dombrowski prioritizes some other things, and it works. mean, it means one championships for a reason. Uh, yeah. We've eaten crow on on our Dombrowski takes, but um, looking at it, I I, I I'm tr- I'm trying to see one that like really stands out. I think it's pretty spot on. If anything, I think it's underselling Brandon Marsh, who. Made a lot of great strides last year, uh, and and really looked good offensively, and should get some more run in center this year. Two point seven WAR for his 80th percentile. No way. No way. I I, don't, I disagree with that one for sure.
1: I also think they're low balling Harper. Do you see what his projected WAR like? Four 50 50th percentile. That's 80th. 50th That's is 8- three point six. He's gonna Furr play first, he's gonna it. play good first. That's the thing. Like they may just zips may not be able to factor in that Harper's gonna play a good defensive first base because he really how many yeah. appearances in his career does he have at first base? But
2: even at DH, I figured he'd do a little higher than that. But yeah, if he's at first base and he's playing, because he's gonna play a good defensive first base. I bet I bet a lot of money he's positive and all the you know metrics.
1: I'll go even farther. I'm not going to have my jaw on the floor. If this cat wins a gold glove at first no, base this year, don't it could be very Tatis.
2: I was a catcher coming up, man. He's an athlete. Like right. it's one thing to not be able to like get great jumps and, and grade as like a great OAA guy in the outfield, but it's another thing to just be fundamentally sound, have soft hands and good instincts and just be a good first baseman, which I think he's going to be
1: right. There are going to be so many plays where he's just like, how much you want to bet within the first two months of the season, he's going to have one of those like flying over the dugout railing make a catch play. Oh,
2: for sure. Like Absolutely. With a shoulder grab, too, in foul territory. We'll, we'll get them all.
1: We'll get one. All right, we're going to jump through uh, the NL Central and the NL West to wrap up the Zips projections for the National League. But before that, quick break. Start with the Cubbies. The kind of Cubbies. Cody Bellinger, kind of a Cub, kind of yeah. not, not yet. Cody Bellinger is a projected 108 OPS plus. And for context, that's slightly better than Dansby Swanson's 104 and Nico Horner's 98. But it's lower than Ian Happ's 112. It's lower than Michael Bush's 111. Yeah. And it's way lower than Seiya Suzuki's 124.
2: I, I agree I, with that though, actually.
1: I love that Zips is high on Seya Suzuki. I think that this guy's due for like that big year. And he's been disappointing, relatively speaking, because of the money, because they were expecting him to be the alpha. He's a really good second or third bat in your lineup. Um, they probably just asked him to be the best run producer, even with like the expectations for Bellinger and how they kind of shifted through the first couple of months of last year. But I think Saya's is going to be awesome. I was just shocked that, the Bellinger OPS plus is that low, but then you remember it factors in the previous three years. Obviously it
2: weighs the last one even more, but the previous three years, not good. I think it's a pretty reasonable number because this is the hardest guy. No one knows. And that's why he's still a free agent. It's part of the reason why And Boris is the other part, but no one quite knows where it's going to be after, you know, moving forward. And, and, you know, there's some underlying batted ball data aspects that people, you know, have some concerns about and things like that, but Honestly, I, think I I wouldn't have been shocked if it docked him even more based on some of the struggles in the past and and the underlying, you know, metrics going into or, or in last year. So uh, th- that one didn't surprise me too, too much. But I thought it was funny that he's 108 and then Morell is also 108. Cause I think <laughs> Morell is similarly a volatile in a different way, but like a volatile, yeah. uh, pro- like, guy to project offensively.
1: Well, and but how I, about, how about Bush being 111?
2: I love it. I love it because. It's fun. You know, I, I'm glad that it's a little bit bullish. I, I do wonder how much it factors in like his numbers in the PCL and right. yeah, how that translates here and all those good things. But I love that they got our, our boy, Matt Mervis, too, as a as above average league, league, you know, production there to 106 WRC plus. That would right. be fantastic. Uh, but Uh Better than Dansby, be. Yeah, which is nuts. <laughs> They don't they they always disrespect Dansby. It's always gonna happen. But a 4-1 F 4 I mean, that's kind of what you're you're signing up for every single year. I think Nico Horner's the the biggest, the biggest underslot here, I'd say. 98 OPS plus, I think he's gonna be better than that. I think he's gonna start tapping into maybe a little bit more juice now. But the guy just has, has swung it well. He's played elite defense. Like I would take, I, I want to do like kind of r- the rest of the way. Would you take the over under? I would take the over on Nico Horner's 3-9 more any day of the week with the defense that he brings, and I think the offense just continuing to get better.
1: I would take the over because of how elite he is defensively. Now, on that 98 number, what do you think his OPS Plus was last year?
2: Probably right there.
1: 97. Like, yeah. that's kind of who he is. Before that, it was a 105. Before that, he was hurt. I, he only played 44 I think games. be
2: closer to 105 this year. I do.
1: I just... I almost view Nico Horner as what I dreamt Tommy Edmund would turn into.
2: Edmund is a really good player. Edmund hits the ball harder, um, but isn't as consistent. But he's also moved around way more, so it's like it's hard. Edmund's had to play short and second and center and you know wherever. So it's I think if they just stuck Edmund at second all the time, he'd probably put up you know some more defensive metrics and everything
1: you think if Edmund was a full-time second baseman he would produce more war than Horner or do you think Horner would still have? I mean
2: he gets he got a crazy amount of war by playing shortstop I just would know he'd be, he'd be more consistently I don't know it's a tough one it's I don't, a tough I don't know. one he put up <laughs> like a 5 WAR though so I, I don't know if it would be that but I think the offense might be a little bit more consistent um
1: Cubs and Cardinals yeah, fans who's better Horner or
2: Tommy Edmund it's an interesting. I would take Edmund just because of his ability like all over and how mm-hmm. hard he hits the ball. But the, the one that stands out to me though is Suzuki, because you talked about him like relative disappointment. We talked about these guys coming over. A lot of times it takes like that third season. We saw it with Hassan Kim, especially most recently. That third season, he really makes that leap. So yeah, Suzuki took a step forward last year. Oh, yeah. WRC plus jumps by like 10 points. Uh I think the war jumped by I think a full win, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and full then, win. Okay, that's so what I thought. And then you have all these you know, these other aspects to to his underlying data looking better and it was he got better on, I think as the year went on and then battled some injuries in the past I think I, that's I would take crush the over on 2.4 or war because I think the defense has gotten a little bit better too so I think Suzuki gonna blow this projection out of the water for sure he he bested his batting average from his
1: rookie year to his second year by 23 points it was a 21 point jump in OBP and it was a 52-point jump in slug. He got better across the board in his slash line, and he's probably going to get better from his 842 OPS. That was already good. So, fascinating. Hey, Chicago, what do you say? Shota Imanaga has a better projected ERA than Justin Steele. That's not fair. Imanaga projected three five five in one hundred and thirty seven innings. Steele in one hundred and fifty four projected three six four. Is Imanaga's fastball
2: that much better than Steele's fastball? Here's the problem. Well, first, yes, I think. Oh, wow. wow. Steele's fastball being a cut ride fastball. We're talking about that. We talked about it with with Yariel, right? Where. Stuff plus kind of docks it. And again, I don't know how, how, if that's factored into this now at all with stuff plus being on fan graphs and things like that. I think it's yeah. separate, but um, I think a lot of these, these, these analytics and, and tracking systems for, for pitch value and things like that really underestimate steals fastball because again, it's kind of doesn't really know how to properly assess the, the value of cut ride, but I don't know. I don't think it's outlandish because Imanaga's whiff rates on the heater are insane. The problem is I think you're going to have a little bit of that strider effect. Of course, he's not going to be as dominant as strider with the swing and miss, but you're going to have that effect of fastball plays great at the top of the zone. Control is good. Command can be a little bit shaky where sometimes, you know, home miss over the middle and he's going to give up home runs. So, you know, with, with home runs being given up, the ERA is probably going to be higher. I would take Steele because of the consistency, uh, and and really, if he didn't hit the wall at the end of the year, the the after eclipsing you know, the most innings he's really ever thrown and went into the year with dead arms, so like that's pretty impressive what he did. I I do think it's a little unfair to Steele, but I get it because the whiff is just going to be so much higher with Imanaga, and the fastball is just going to be a big whiff pitch.
1: Yeah,
2: uh, Cincinnati,
1: Eli De La Cruz.
2: Uh, this is the one I'm most excited for. I no. Uh, I,
1: I've got one in Pittsburgh that is crazier. But Ellie, Ellie's fascinating. Um, they hate O'Neill Cruz. More on that in a moment. Ellie de la Cruz, 23 homers, more or less. More. We're gonna go we're gonna go stop by stop. 23 homers more. I agree. 39 for 49 in the stolen base department. More. Uh eight triples. <laughs> I like that. That's a high that's, number. That's spot on. Eight <laughs> percent walk rate.
2: I hope. Mm-hmm. I'd probably take the under on that I'd take now. the
1: under, too. 31% K rate. Spot on. Spot on. 95 OPS plus. No. Over.
2: over. Over. Over.
1: Way over. This is the craziest one. What do you think his 50th percentile war is? His projected war?
2: Well, it sounds like it's not going to be very good. 2.2. I was going to say 2.8. Holy crap. I get it, cause like you look at a lot of the 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 concerning metrics, you know, the whiff, the the lack of walk, all that good stuff. But but he plays fine defense. He's gonna hit a lot of home runs still. He's gonna accumulate, man. He's he, I I that, I'll crush that over. But they don't have three years of big league to work with, so you know it's 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 a more unique situation. Yeah, um, I'm gonna go to the ERA real quick. Yeah, here we go.
1: Abbott, Green, Montas. Ashcraft, Ladolo. Who's got the best DRA out of those five?
0: Mm.
1: Ladolo. No. He's got Mont- the highest. <laughs> uh, he, no, sorry. Ashcraft is the highest at 481. Ladolo's got 463. Montes, he said, wait, who else? It was. So you've got Abbott, Green, and Montes left. I bet it likes green. It likes green four three one. It also likes Montes at a four three one. And then it's got Abbott at a four four one. You
2: know it's funny? I would take under on Montes and Green. I'd take I wouldn't touch Abbott. I think that's pretty spot on. That's spot on. Lodolo at four six. I would take the under. It's all about health for him. I'd
1: take the under four eight for Ashcraft. I think that's pretty disrespectful.
2: Yeah, it is, but he's—I get—he's weird. He's—he's he's a weird—he's a weird one.
1: How about Connor Phillips? Uh, 115 innings, are projected
2: 5.02. I get it because he's so volatile, and the yeah. walk rates are high. And when you're using projection systems, and the walk rates are high in trips, I—I I assume that that's gonna you know tie go up to the big leagues. But you know, I, I know it simulates a, a trillion outcomes. I guarantee that yeah. there's a lot of outcomes where he's shoving because the stuff is outrageous. The fastball is plus plus. The, the breaking ball is disgusting, and he manipulates it. And he can overpower you. So if he's around the zone, he'll, he'll blow that out of the water. But I can yeah. also understand command challenges. All of a sudden, that ERA inflates quick.
1: Yeah. Um, all right. Zips hates O'Neill Cruz. And I need to wrap my brain around this. Um, I'm going to give you his, his 50th, his projected. And then I'm going to give you his 80th percentile. His projected war for this coming year is 2.1 and a 107 OPS+. Plus. With 19 homers and 15 bags over the course of a full season, the 80th percentile is a three and a half win player and a 128 OPS plus. Oniel Cruz is so much better than I, I think the public understands, and I'm not just saying that because, like, hey, he was he was on that team that I called games for in 2022. Like, hey, he's a pirate. I like I'm not saying that Oniel Cruz like. Once he got rid of the, the breaking ball issue, as soon as he got up, this guy was turning in a K rate in the low 20s, if I'm not mistaken.
2: So, yeah, it's it's interesting because I think it takes in that A struggle where it was cold and he didn't want to be. i talk about buy Oh, like, he didn't
1: want to be there. He wasn't yeah. bought like, in there. He would
2: tell you, yeah. He, he would tell you himself, right? But, you know, it, it's I still think the breaking ball issues are are a concern, and I think that's probably part of it. And then you look at, so it's simulating off of a 102 WRC plus and 55 AAA games. And then in 2022, 87 big league games, he had a 105 WRC plus, but the defense didn't grade out. Great. So it was a one, two F war. So I get why it does that. I would take the over because I think he's supremely talented and I think he's going to rectify those issues that you talked about, but I do wonder like his levers are so long. He does really struggle to, to, you know, he swings over a lot of breaking balls and he's very expansive with his approach. Uh, because he has to swing earlier, because he's so long and, and and everything. But the thing is, is this is a guy that power wise is probably the only dude in the sport in, in terms of just raw EVs that can top John Carlos Stanton. Yes. So, and John Carlos Stanton, real real issues with breaking balls, long levers, had to really figure out how he's just going to connect enough. He's going to strike out a ton. I think John Carlos Stanton is honestly the, the 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 comp here that you're going to look at. It's so different than Ellie Doak Cruz. I know people like to say, oh, O'Neill and, and Ellie. They have some similar warts and they have some similar strengths, but I think with O'Neal, it's so much like all or nothing. And I don't know if you get as much of the defensive value as you're going to get with, with Ellie as he continues to develop. I think you're going to get more defensive value here, potentially with Stanton. I also think you're going to get more whiff than Stanton, but I do think that's kind of the comp there. If it all works, like this is a guy that can hit 55 bombs that right. can do all that. So I think Stanton's what you're hoping for, but at the end of the day, Stanton wasn't a big war accumulator, but when it all worked, he still was. The number that got to me was the counting numbers because this does project the course of a full
1: season and 19 homers and 15 bags over the course yeah, of a full season. That doesn't
2: make sense to me because he's but, gonna, even if he's having a bad year, he's going to back into 30 bombs.
1: He's going to back into 30 and he's going to swipe 30 bases because he's one of the fastest guys in baseball. He, yeah. Ellie, and Bobby
2: Witt are probably the three fastest guys in baseball. Yeah. It's funny. I was surprised how inefficient he was in triple a. And then, and again, he probably just didn't want to steal in triple a. And then in the big leagues, he was only 10 for, for 14. And you know, how fast he is, you know, how quick he can go. And I think with the new rules and everything, we didn't really get to see him do it um, in, in 2023. But to your point, we got a nine game sample and all of a sudden it did look like he was hitting breaking balls better. And then he has this unfortunate injury. So I'm really fascinated. Cause I think he could be a guy that he's just a perfect example of you. You can't really use the information you have because I could almost give a reason as to why each year or a lot of these different spots where you have the numbers, why the data could be somewhat, I wouldn't say invalid, but could yeah. be a little skewed or it could be less valuable for so many different reasons at each stop. So that's why I'm fascinated. I think this is one of the more impossible guys to project.
1: Yeah. I just had a wrong pipe situation in my water. That's why I went on mute for a minute. Um, But wrapping up the NL Central with Or no, sorry, we have a couple
2: more in the NL Central. Well, I wanted to, sorry, real quick. No, yeah, you got one? Brian Hayes, because I think Brian Hayes has become one of the more underrated players as well. I'm I'm opening it, right? I I didn't see where they have him on zips. Okay, they've got him. Where do they have him F4-wise? Or sorry, yeah, F4-wise, where do they have him?
1: I thought it was right around three.
2: See, I think that's insane. Yeah. He's, I look, I don't know how he's going to hit. It was 2-6. The guy could hit... 200. I think he could slash 200, 300, 350 and he'd still beat a 26 up four off the glove alone. Um the, look I'm waiting for him to hit the ball in the air. I I'm I'm dying for it. I think we all are and he's working towards that. And we saw as he started to st- hit the ball in the air a little bit more and, and cut down the strike rate a little bit was never egregious but got it under 20%. That all of a sudden first year where his his offense was Slightly above league average. Emphasis on slightly. It was a 101 WRC plus, but we're talking about a wizard with the glove. I mean, this is a guy that could probably play shortstop. He's so good with it. So I just think that's such a low number when you talk about like the percentile outcomes because he had an 87 WRC plus in 2022, which he'll never be. That I don't think he'll ever be offensively. You know, that bad again. It was a 244, 314, 345 slash line. He was a three win player that year, and that was in 136 games. So I just feel like it's almost a guarantee that he's a three win player this coming season. Like, I feel like that's, I feel like two nine two eight is like his 20th percentile outcome, not his, his median. So I think it's, it's, it's a little bit of a slight on keep Ryan who again is, is, it's been a slow burn, but he has been getting better offensively. He's entering his age 27 season. And as he continues to just drive the ball in the air, he hits the ball hard. So as he continues to drive the ball in the air more consistently, which again, last year was a, a big step in that direction for him and and walks a little bit more. I think he could easily be a five-win player with the defense that he provides, uh, and and a little bit of of added value on the basis. So, that's one of the guys I'm most fascinated to watch. But I do think it's a little bit of an undersell uh, when you when you see like those projections. And I, because, and I I know we look at the last couple of years. I think if you look at the last couple of years, y- you have to feel like two eight is almost the floor. Not not you Correct. know the the median outcome. Correct. And and we've talked about this before, but Charrington,
1: when he did extend Key Brian Hayes, he was asked, he's like, simply put, you know, why, why does this make sense? You know, for a guy that really hasn't shown much offensively. And he said, like, we know the defense is going to pay for the deal. Like it wasn't yes. 20 to $25 million. The defense is going to pay for eight years, at 70 million for Key Brian Hayes. The offense is just gravy at that point. And that's the type of extension the Pittsburgh Pirates can do. I saw this note a couple of days ago in regards to Matt Chapman, and I came away with it more impressed with Key Brian Hayes. Since the start of the 2017 season when Chapman debuted, nobody has more DRS at third base than Matt Chapman. Chapman has 92 defensive runs saved since the start of 2017. That's the last seven seasons. Arenado's at 91. Behind those two is Key Brian Hayes at 65 in four years. So you go by defensive run same per year. If you were to just divide by the number of years, Ke'Bryan Hayes is beating Matt Chapman by like three defensive run saved a year. It's like sixteen yeah. compared to thirteen, and the drop off to me is astounding. Since the start of seventeen, Matt Chapman in seven years has ninety two. Arenado in seven years has ninety one. Hayes in four years has sixty five. McMahon in seven years, Ryan McMahon with Colorado, has sixty three. After that, Austin Riley has 22. It's which is clunk. crazy, I, right? Like it, it's a block, a block, and then everybody else. Austin Riley, by the way, Gunnar Henderson has 13 defensive runs saved already. Um, and I don't happen to see Rafael Devers on this list, but I see Riley at 22.
2: <laughs> Devers is uh going to be quite negative there, I think, but uh, no, it's interesting. Like again, I know third base is a big offensive position, but. Again, I I think he could legitimately hit terribly, <laughs> and yeah. and I don't think he will, and and still give you better than a two six war. So uh, I, I'm excited. I think I think whatever Fangraph spits out for the Pirates projections this year in terms of like win totals, I I'm, I think I'll take the over on because just when I look at it in each individual player, almost every single one I think I would take the over on.
1: So if Andy Rodriguez was healthy and yet Henry Davis in right field, I'd have no problem saying over. I just worry about that third outfield spot with Henry Davis playing every day behind the plate.
2: Yeah. I mean, I wonder, I wonder if that, you know, what they'll do in terms of like bringing some guys up from the minors that might get an audition out there. Like they have a lot of different interesting guys at AAA who, you know, could get looks in the outfield and, and see how the bat, you know, continues to play. But Triolo is a guy, like, I don't know where he's going to fit in. He's a great defender in the infield, right. but that's a guy that's, the bat was solid when he was up there. I wonder where they can kind of slot him in too. And I think the projections honestly were, were very favorable to him given considering that he doesn't come with, you know, a ton of, you know, a ton of background and and and, and fanfare and things like that. But I would say his 80th percentile war I think he has a really good chance of achieving. It was like two, four. I think it could easily be a, a two, three, one player this coming season.
1: Absolutely. Uh, a couple more notes on the national league central, the Cardinals. It's at third base one. Again, Nolan Arenado is a projected three and a half win player. 3.4 F4. He was at 2.6 last year. It was a really disappointing year for Arenado, but he has not been as low as 3.4 since he was 23 years old in 2014. So Besides with all that year. besides last year, and it would be back to back years. So, I ask you, like, with all that being said, is this the beginning of the end for Nolan Arenado? Or are we seeing the decline of one of the best players of our generation? We're going to look at this, and he's going to be, I truly believe, a first ballot hall of famer when it's all said and done. Because I think he plays for four more years, and of course, he's a two win player or better the next four years. But is he a two win player? Are we entering a new frontier with Nolan Arenado?
2: I'm not comfortable. I think it's a great question. I'm not comfortable answering it until the first half of 2024. Yeah, because I, I he has earned the benefit of the doubt. He's still 32. I think he could have been banged up last year. Talk about you know frustrating situation over there too. And Arenado spoke up and said, "We need more leadership in this clubhouse." they go get Matt Carpenter, right? Like I it's, it's, but for a reason, I mean, it wasn't, they didn't need him off. I don't even know where he fits in, to be honest. I'm, I'm so shocked. Coaching big staff big, 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 big deal, right? It was a big, big right. deal. I, <laughs> I don't know what they're going to do there, but the point being, I think that you're going to see a different Aaron. I'm going to say, no, I, I think, I think he's going to be better this year, but I could understand why there might be concern about this being the beginning of the decline here. But at 32 with with what he is able to do just almost low effort at third base like he's going to be better than he was I think in almost every single facet um next year so I'm not totally comfortable answering it but I'll I'll bet on this guy any day of the week
1: yeah I will say god I hope we're not at that conversation just yet because I would turn into that uh, like sad pensive Vince McMahon meme where it's like he was special and like holding back tears
2: and like he was, he was playing third base growing up, man. Like, and, and playing third base, even through high school, like that's who I watched. That is, uh, it was rolling when I was really young, but then you know, really, as I started to take pride and in, and in, in footwork and defense and being able to throw from different angles. And and again, like defense for me, like I couldn't hit the ball that hard. So I just fell in love with the, the aspects of defense that I could make as good as possible. All I watched was Nolan Arenado clips during class. Like all I watched was what he did. And then when I would go to practice after after class after math class, I try to emulate those things: chopping the feet, going in, throwing on the run, all like that guy. Like I, that'll be another one I talked about. Miggy Arenado, once that decline happens, hopefully five years from now, mm-hmm. um, that'll be a, that'll be a gut punch.
1: Yeah, as a, as a left-handed pitcher, only uh, throughout my entire high school career, it was Arenado and Andrelton Simmons highlights that I always watched. So. And Mark Burley, and Mark Burley, of course. Um, all right, last one of the National League Central. Top six hitters by projected war with the Milwaukee Brewers. Zips love, loves Willie Adamas. I do too. They have him at 28 bombs and a 3.9 war. I, I like that. I think it's bounce back. It's it's walkier. He's going to be good. William Contreras at a 3.1, which would be two wins shy of where he was, which didn't sound right.
2: Yeah. And we know that these are always conservative too, right? But, for sure.
1: Yeah. For sure. But yeah, Adamas at 3.9, William Contreras at 3.1. Sal Freelich at 1.8 is the third highest. And then you've got three guys at 1.7. Tyler Black, Jackson Weimer. Chorio, and Christian Yelich.
2: Weimers are projected 0. 0.6. He's so good defensively. It's, uh, so oh, first of all, you just reminded me, um, Brewers fans, if you guys if you got to this part of the podcast, uh Just had one of my favorite interviews we've, we've had in a while on the call up talking to Brewers hitting coordinator, Brenton Del Chiaro. He was unbelievable. And we didn't just talk about Brewers prospects. We talked about Freelick. We talked about Weimer. We talked about how like everyone, if you've noticed the Brewers system from top to bottom, they got a lot of guys that swing unusually and their motto is UBU. And it was really cool to hear him talk about how they work with each of those players individually uh, to, to get the most out of what they're doing without, you know, Losing sight of of the common goals that they have with all of their hitters. But anyway, back to, to the larger point, he talked about Weimer and, and some of the things he's been working on, and, and he's bought in on what Weimer's going to do this year. So I would crush that over on Weimer, especially with the defense. But I get the concern with Yelich. Like there are some, he's kind of in the Bellinger boat of like, yes, it was great to see him come back, but some of the batted ball data is concerning. And I just feel like he's like a back tweak away from. You know, kind of going back down into that struggle again i hope he's always because, a back tweak away that's a player that i again loved watching come up and yeah, as a marlins fan and 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 get yeah, he was my grandpa's favorite my dad like, he's just the pure lefty swing so I, I hope he beats that but i love the tyler black love because mm-hmm. that guy you've seen him i mean this is a dude that i think could be a dark horse it's going to be hard to beat some of these rookies how about him. his
1: teammate how about his teammate Torrio? Yeah. You can't yeah, beat Torrio. That's the problem.
2: But when I say like dark horse, I mean like a guy that could be a top five, you know, finisher. And and I and I don't think anybody would put him there. And when you rank your your five guys, Black can do a lot of things. The defense is the one issue, but he can run, he can hit for power, he walks a ton. I I, I love the Black projection because I think he needs to be playing for them too. We talked about it in the Brewers episode. He needs to be up there. Throw him at first. Uh, I, I think he could be a, a big contributor for them.
1: Yeah. Uh, all right, we're going to jump to the NL West. We'll wrap with them real quick. For that, one more break. Zips loves Corbin Carroll, understandably so. They doesn't. don't six win love him. They four point six win love him, which is still on that's the insane, higher for, end. The
2: projection system that's pretty insane.
1: Right after one year, four and a half win player for Corbin Carroll. Trade Turner is at four eight. So we're talking about this guy like in the same breath as a Trey Turner, who is a top 10 player in baseball. Carroll is at 4'6", and while it loves Carroll, it loves Gabby Moreno. 2.8 win player, a 103 OPS plus. Those are both drastic bumps from where he was. Obviously, you love Moreno. Everybody on God's green earth loves Moreno after that postseason run. But to see it in writing, to see it in an algorithm... Almost made it more real for me. Oh yeah,
2: and I mean, and it's in the second half. He's one of the best catchers in the, in the sport. But uh yeah, it's it's cool to see the projection system because again, he he had some some uh, some I would say acclamation time when it came to you know first coming up with the Jays and then the beginning with with the D backs as well. And so you'd think maybe the system would would dock that, and and it didn't. I also think that the projections on Law were very very bullish uh, again because we're relatively applying this to four on Waller as well. Like it, it likes him. So I, I think that's really exciting uh, when you look across the board, because if they're getting that kind of production and even Alec Thomas, I think it, it's buying on what Alec Thomas kind of did down the stretch of the year. Um, and then my favorite thing, because we talked to you know, Diamondbacks top prospects uh, at the end of the 23 season or in the middle of the 23 season, we got to do the updated for 24, but I think the most underrated prospect in that system is Jorge Barosa. Yeah. And they came out here and gave. Whore, and no one even probably knows who that is. He's a little five seven guy, switch hitter, just right. scrappy as hell. Really good. One eight war for a guy that's you know not ranked in the top ten and in, in their system anywhere. I think other than than us, I might have him in the top ten. I will have him in the top ten when we update yeah. that, that ranking, actually.
1: But he slaps the ball around and he
2: plays like a very high level defense. And in he's fast. multiple spots if need be. Yeah, I I I think Barosa could overtake Jake McCarthy. And what's funny is. Zip seems to think that too. Cool.
1: I'm in. Um, All right. Trivia question. Don't look. Don't scroll. Who has a lower projected ERA next year? They're both projected right around 150 innings. Brandon Fott or Merrill Kelly? It should be Merrill Kelly. It's a trick question. They're both at 397. 397 and 150 innings. 397 I think is bullish on Fod on based fought. on what yeah, he did because, last again, year
2: acknowledging that it's almost always going to be like 20 to 30% conservative in terms of like you know what what's reasonably expected yeah that's really bullish on FOT. we were talking about some other young arms that are really talented that even showed some good things last year and were well over 4 Projection
1: yeah. wise, like a- AJ Smith Shavers at a four or five and
2: Fotts at a three nine. Abbott's a four four six. I know he finished yeah. there last year, but he had stretches where he was phenomenal. And, right. and like Fott was pretty H- bad. Hunter for a
1: Greens of- a four three. Like yeah,
2: it's crazy. But I agree with it. Like Fott, the stuff is crazy. We've been talking about it for so long, and I looked like a bozo up until like the the, the, the playoffs. But uh it's there,
1: man. um Yeah, it's just crazy and super disrespectful to Merrill Kelly. To have 397.
2: Yeah, well, Because he's just been doing it for so long. That's a guy, like, again, well, we're acknowledging that the, the systems are always going to be you know, a little bearish. But that's a guy that, like, come on, he's just doing it every year at this point. And, and he did it in the postseason. And it's just, I feel very confident that he's a mid-threes guy pretty much any year.
1: They're waiting on him to regress. The Rockies, one note. Nolan Jones is a 3.1 projected win player, 50th that's percentile. Crazy. 20,
2: crazy.
1: I know, 22 homers, 84 driven in. This guy can go off, man. He played what, 105 games-ish, and he had 20 homers and 20 bags.
2: Yeah. I mean, who's to and say if the defense he can... comes along? Like he's now finally playing one spot, focusing on that. He's right. a good athlete. He was a hockey player in high school. Like he's a, he moves all right. It's just he was trying to get right at third. He's a big dude. So it was kind of hard. The actions weren't great. He was fine though, but it was kind of going back and forth. Now focusing on the outfield. All these guys get crushed defensively at cores. But if he can just be passable there, I mean, you know, he's going to hit out there. So I will that that's probably one of the most bullish that we've seen of any of these projections.
1: Yeah, I'm very excited for Nolan Jones this year from a strictly counting number perspective is the defense. like You mentioned, hey, he can focus on one spot. I don't know if it's good enough defense to propel him to a five win season, but I 22 and 84 seems somewhat conservative like in that. Ballpark. We saw what this guy can do across 108 games. Like give him 140 in right field, assuming
2: full That's health, it. he can hit 35 homers. Yep, I totally and agree. Hard. And then shout out. I love them giving a almost a full win season to a friend of the club, Jimmy herron uh, Yeah, a guy that, I really hope he gets an opportunity, man. Great, great human being. Has put up really good numbers. Had a great year. I know Albuquerque is a great place to hit, but. Uh, this guy deserves a shot. So I love I love Zips giving uh, Jimmy Heron some love too.
1: One hundred percent. They heaped love and love and love onto Fernando Tatis Jr. And I love that it did this. Fernando Tatis, I, I think the narrative has curbed some people on him. He's one of the best players in baseball. If I was putting together a top five talents in baseball, he's absolutely top five. I I do think. I I think it's. Otani, Acuna, Mookie. Emphasis
2: on talents. Emphasis you know, not on talent. Player, like in terms of what you're getting just yet, but right. If it all clicks,
1: and I mean, dude, like he won the Platinum Glove last so, year in the National League.
2: I was just talking about this with uh, Ben Bellotti, our, our YouTube manager, and and so much more than that. He's down here with me, so we're getting ready for for Jeff Conine's uh, charity golf tournament on Monday. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But we were talking about it because I'm looking at the uh, Tatis, and I'm like. We were talking about what, what he did in terms of a war accumulation, you know, last year. He didn't hit to his standards because, you know, he had a lot going on, obviously, coming off of a big laugh, coming off of a, a, a wrist, a wrist? That very, very messed up. I wouldn't be shocked if that wrist was completely shattered, considering how long it took him to get right and considering how the accident happened. Uh, so I'm imagining like with that defensive value, because he only had what, a one, oh, what was it? 112 WRC plus last year. I think so. Like, We've seen him at 160, right? We've seen him hover around through stretches, almost, you know, flirting with 200. If he's at 160 again this year in terms of getting back to that offensively with platinum glove defense, because before, remember, a lot of the, those those war totals were with him at shortstop. Now you got him in, in, in the corner outfield where he's one of the best defenders in the sport. Talk about another guy that could flirt with an 8-9 win season if he hits the way that we've seen him hit in the past. I, I'm going to be sprinkling on him for MVP this coming year because I do think the market probably is is as you mentioned, use public perception. I do think the market might even be cooling on him a little bit.
1: So Tatis had a 158 WRC plus in 2021. He punched out 28 percent of the time, and he had a seven and a half war, seven point three. He lowered the K rate by six percent from 2021 to 2023. So you're giving me a guy that was flirting with 30 30 in a down year had a 22% K rate, a 113 WRC+, plus, and still produced a four and a half win season. Tatis, his projections right now, 36 homers, 101 driven in, 26 for 30 in the stolen base department, high efficiency, a 142 OPS plus, and a five and a half win season. 80th percentile outcome, seven and a half win season. 20th percentile outcome, a 3.8 WAR season.
2: I think he, that's pretty fair. He's so ridiculously good, and I hope nobody forgets it. I th- he's in the short list of maybe three players. We told me who are the three guys that you would think have a chance at at ten ten war this coming year, like at, just a- any reasonable chance, right? Like July, yeah. more than a one percent chance. I would take Tatis pretty much right there. Then probably uh, Otani can't because he's not pitching. So I'd take Tatis right. Judge and then Acuna Acuna. Yeah, I think I would
1: probably go Acuna Judge Tatis. That's probably and, how I, and we're leaving bets out. Bets is like a moving close to four. second
2: base. He's you know he's he's slowing down a tad in terms of like I think the impact that he's going to make defensively, and you got to make an impact defensively. Yeah. Um, and that's the challenging part for Acuna. A
1: couple more. Um, Jung Hoo Lee projected the most valuable hitter on the Giants roster at wow. two and a half wins. Pat Bailey right behind him at two point four. It feels a little low for pat bailey and maybe for lee if he is like truly i think really it's reasonable for
2: lee just considering again like where lack you know, of impact yeah and, and and just waiting to see what it all looks like and coming off of an injury of his own too with the ankle so and and just knowing the acclimation process for for some of these guys especially from the kbo but and
1: and Webb may be like the new gaussman 4.4 projected war for logan webb
2: Oh, he is, he's, he's hundred percent going to be the, the, the favorite in these systems. And and for good reason. I mean, you yeah. guys just consistent as hell. Uh, that shows you kind of where the, where the giants are at though, in terms of like offensively, they, they should just go get, go get Bellinger maybe and just yes. put, Lee, put Lee in left. Like Lee can play. Like, I, I, the more I, like, I think about him, like Lee, Lee can play center field. He, he has the t- talent to be a really good one, but I, I have some concerns of how consistently he's going to be great out there. Just just slide him over. Just just um, do the
1: Quan thing. Take a good center fielder, put him in left, make him great, and have him win a Gold Glove.
2: If 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 they really want to do it, like this, the Zips was eye opening when you're looking at the the position players and you're just like, okay. Uh, we're talking about so many times I'm like over, 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 over. Here I'm like pretty good. Over, yeah. The, the rest looks pretty good. Like it's 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 a little uh, concerning from that regard.
1: Yeah, uh, last one. Just how good are the Dodgers going to be? I've got some offensive numbers for you, uh, and I've got some defensive numbers for you. Offensively, Freddie Freeman's a projected 25 homers and 94 driven in. James Altman projected 23 homers. I love it. Love it. Will Smith projected 21. Teoscar Hernandez a projected 30 homers and 107 driven in.
2: Oh my gosh! I know. They must love EVs, but you know what? And I know they're not factoring in like the, the Dodger magic, uh, th- this, he is the perfect Dodger magic candidate. I, I love it. That is crazy bullish for a guy who was not great last year.
1: But not great was I think 26 homers and like 95 driven in. So yeah, they just they bank on numbers. run production. Yeah. He's going to get his numbers and, that, and that's what they're predicting. Uh, 30 and one Oh seven, 31 and hundred for Mookie Betts. They've got Shohei Otani, the full-time DH, at 38 homers and 122 driven in.
2: Which is, again, conservative. uh, When that's the conservative estimate, like, screw you. You're just way too good.
1: So stupid. All right, four names that I'm going to give you in the starting rotation. You tell me the projected ERA. Tyler Glass Now Now knowing that they always shoot higher, 3-6-8. 3-4-3 in 118 innings. They're projecting (laughs) Yeah. yeah it's man 118 innings but a 3-4-3 three, three.
2: bobby miller oh they probably jacked him up i will say a four one eight three seven four oh they're respecting bobby love it walker bueller i don't know how they factor injuries and stuff i'll they better do my guy right i'll say three eight three five six love that Attaboy boy zips
1: yoshinobu yamamoto inning total what do you think it's what do you think it's projected at 170 171 Bang. Good. nice any ERA. 3 4 352 ooh that's bullish nice. it is bullish 171 innings and 3-5-2 for Yoshinobu Yamamoto. Sign me up for it, man. This was fun. We're going to do American League uh, on
2: Wednesday. Peter will be back for that uh, one.
0: You, yeah,
2: You didn't want to do another hour of now the player uh, comparisons? I'm looking at Ahmed Rosario. I know he's not with them anymore, but yeah. Ahmed Rosario's season hit comp looking like Mark grezelonic Ooh, who uh, was in the Marlins booth for it? No, Todd Hollinsworth was in the Marlins booth. But that's the They're in the same God, they're,
1: they're in the same bucket of players they're me. all they're <laughs> all fever dream late 2000s chicago cubs like Greg zolonic oh, mike fontenot ryan terrio
2: if, if I, you just want to have the fun time of like random baseball player names like the the guy thing that every what we all do just go, just go through the zips player comparisons it's it's absolutely hilarious
1: it's so much fun all right go watch some football man we just recorded on a. What well, Sunday afternoon? Uh, enjoy yep. your time in Florida with our guy Ben Bilotti. Massive thank you to Ben as always for doing our uh, our video stuff, being a mastermind behind the video. Follow yeah, him YouTube. on Twitter.
2: He, he 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 wants he wants some love on Twitter these days, and he's you know, putting he, good he, shit out. He does. He's, just, he's in the shadows. He doesn't get to he doesn't get to be on camera. But I know I know he puts some good stuff out, and he always jokes. He's like, I'm gonna like insert like my, my my at one of these days get some people to follow me on Twitter. But nice guy, huge quads awesome dude sells mounds on this like uh, that's the other thing he did like cool guy shout out ben Velotti.
1: i'm gonna i'm gonna link his twitter in the episode description all right guys we'll talk to you wednesday